0: This is Episode 421 of the AWS Podcast. Released on January 24, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined not by one, but by two very special guests. And we're going to talk about the machine learning well-architected lens, which is a topic we talk about a lot. And my first guest is Rodney Lester. Rodney is a principal solution architect leading our AWS well-architected initiative. He has decades of experience building and operating a secure, highly available, high-performance, and cost-effective systems. Can you pick the pillars there? And he's been involved in the well-architected uh, process since its inception as an internal wiki page back in 2012, I remember it well, and he actually joined the Well Architect team as the reliability pillar lead in 2017. Welcome to the podcast, Rodney.
2: Thanks, Simon. I'm really happy to be here
1: great to have you on here. And our next guest is no stranger to podcast listeners. Suresha Mupala is an AI ML Specialist Solutions Architect here at AdaBurst, and she provides guidance to customers on architecting and implementing machine learning solutions at scale. She has a PhD in computer science from the University of Colorado. She's also an author of the recently released Machine Learning Lens, Well Architected Lens White Paper, which is the subject for today. Welcome back to the podcast, Suresha.
0: Thanks, Simon. Glad to be here again.
1: Good to have you back here now. Let's go back to the start a little bit. Um, and who better to ask than Rodney? Rodney, let's, let's do a bit of a recap of the well-architected framework. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but it always bears repeating.
2: Yeah, so I, it's, it's a, basically a selection of design practices and pillars which we separate into questions and best practices. And it's something that we've built over the course of years. It allows you to look at your systems that you're building and operating and say, are you doing it right? We really want to get our customers to understand the things that they may want to think about doing differently. Um, And it's kind of separated into the best practices that we see lots of people doing and those that are kind of aspirational as well. So it gives you a a framework that you can basically trade off the things that you implement versus the things that you need to do in order to make your schedules and just be informed about what trade-offs you make.
1: It's kind of about knowing knowing what uh, what good looks like, and maybe talk us through the the sort of the pillars around which we build that and 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 the thinking that we into those because I think they they're, they're the commonality amongst pretty much every system that that people run
2: yeah yeah so as, as you remember when we started out we we first separated them into four pillars we had security, performance, reliability, and cost it's actually cost optimization and performance efficiency and for a couple of years, we were talking to our customers about it, and what we discovered was they were, were consistently failing in another aspect of it, which we ended up writing a whole pillar for. And then we made it the first pillar because that's where we saw customers failing a lot, and it's called operational excellence. So the really the way we want our customers to think about this is – it's really good to get the fundamentals of those other four pillars, but if they're not operating it properly, they'll probably discover that they'll backslide on any of the other pillars. Yeah,
1: it's a really good point. I think the other interesting thing about the way Architected works is it's, it's based around questions rather than answers. So it's not being right. prescriptive, it's being sort of inquisitive.
2: Right, yeah. And it's intended to be a conversation. You know, A lot of people open it up and they're expecting a giant checklist of, have you implemented this and the big problem with that is if you just tried to stay on top of all the possible decision points and possible ways you could implement things, it would be a you know, Sisyphean task of trying to just even maintain what that list of questions and answers would be. So it's really intended for you to discuss an area and talk about how you actually implement the best practices. So when you go look at it, you really want to say, how do I implement this best practice um, do I really implement it? Because a lot of people look at it and say, yeah, of course we do that. And then they start looking into what it means to actually implement it and they'll discover, oh, we we actually didn't do that. <laughs> so it's it really intended to be a conversation.
1: Yeah, And it is a really positive one too. And uh, I think that you sort of touched on how we, we added a pillar along the way. And that's not the only evolution the program and the framework's gone through. So the, this concept of lenses came into play a few years back. Tell us about the way lenses work.
2: So lenses are really intended to be either a, uh, like a, a focus area of a particular technology domain, or we actually released our very first uh, industry vertical lens this year as well. So it's it's uh, something that is above and beyond the regular well-architected framework. So something that you can see specifically based upon the technologies. So if, uh, one of the easiest ones for most people to understand is high-performance computing. You know, there's very specific things that you have to do if, depending on what type of high performance computing, whether it's a, a cluster computing where everything has to be very close together and low latency or if you're just trying to highly paralyze massive tasks. And then serverless applications are another one that we've actually already integrated into the tool uh, where you, know, you just think about things differently. There are things that are done for you, um, more event-driven architectures, so it's just different way of looking at things.
1: And that's so, hence, hence the word lens
2: yeah exactly and and really we build these things based upon customer feedback so it's it's based upon what customers want they come talk to us we try to identify a team of experts that can do it and that's really how the machine learning lens was created so um, machine learning is obviously a hot hot topic right now and um the, with it came to us that we needed to get this written. And so we reached out and identified people. And Sricia was one of the first people to volunteer to help get it done. And that's why she's here. And Absolutely. We actually spent majority of the time basically wrestling with the other people to to bring it to its fruition. And we thank her very much for that hard work.
1: Absolutely. Well let's Sricia, let's come to you. So uh you know, if I'm looking at a machine learning workload on the cloud. Do I just uh, grab your white paper lens and I'm good to go or how do I how
0: do I play it? Uh, that's really a typical question that we often hear from customers, right? So, we have this machine learning lens white paper. Are we good if we go through that and cover all the best practices in that? Uh, but the real answer here is uh, you want to combine the best practices and the guidance provided both by the well-architected framework white paper and the any specific lens that is uh, applicable to your particular workload. Um, when you write these Lens, we stay focused on that particular technology domain, like Rodney mentioned, and we purposefully exclude some of the uh, foundational topics that are covered by the framework in the Lens white papers. So, uh, if a customer is really looking to evaluate their workload, in this case, a machine learning workload, the best approach is to use the guidance provided by the framework along with any other applicable Lens white papers, in this case, the machine learning white paper.
1: So, as with anything in, in mathematics and related fields, a worked example always makes it easier to understand. <laughs> Do you want to take us through an example of, of how you
0: might apply it this way? Sure. Um, Let's start at the beginning. Um, So if you start with the well-architected framework, um, as Rodney mentioned, design principles are an important part of it. So some of the generic design principles you'll see in the well-architected framework and the tool is around stop guessing your capacity for evolutionary architectures. And now within the well-architected framework, you also have specific pillar design principles as well. Now, if you look at the specific pillar, say for example, security, you will see some design principles such as um, continuously monitor and automate responses to any kind of security incidents and events and trigger event-driven responses. When you add machine learning workload on top of these, the machine learning lens really adds to these best practices and the guidance. If you look at the design principles on the same security pillar in the ML lens paper, you will see discussion around data governance, on implementing data lake solutions with both governance and access controls to tightly guard your uh, data against any kind of unnecessary changes. You will also see discussion about ensuring data lineage, which is nothing but monitoring and tracking your data's origins and the transformation it goes through over the lifecycle of the machine learning workload. So when you're really architecting the ML workloads, you should take uh, into account both the fundamental design principles discussed in the well-architected framework and the machine learning lens. And the combination really helps you make trade-offs across these uh, various pillars for your workloads, because as we all know, there are bound to be uh, trade-offs that need to be made. For example, if you consider cost optimization, um, some of the questions that will come up is, do you really want to optimize for speed to market at any given point of time, or do you want to solely focus on cost? In some cases, it's best to optimize for speed to uh, market quickly, ship new features, or simply meet a deadline, rather than investing in upfront cost optimization.
1: Yeah, some some interesting trade-offs to be made there. And Rodney, would you say there are any anything unique to the machine learning workloads in the in the white paper that you you notice that don't tend to appear in some of those other lenses or, or pillars?
2: so there are some some very unique things to machine learning i think um if you if you talk about the it talks about the phases around the the scenario so when you start looking at machine learning in general you always start with business goal identification look at framing the problem data collection data preparation um there's always a step where you have some kind of data visualization and analytics And then after that, you go into feature engineering, model training, model evaluation. And then you come back all the way back up to your initial business goal and evaluate whether or not this is actually doing something that is important for you to do. And you may go back and actually iterate on that many times before you even do your first initial production deployment, where you're really just taking those those model deployments and model inference and, and making sure that it meets your business goals. So those things are, are fairly unique, um, with the exception of probably the business goal, right? If you read through Well-Architected, we actually emphasize that pretty much in every pillar. You really need everything to be business-driven. And it's really one of the things that I think uh, when people start investigating ML, they don't think about. You, r- you really need a business reason for doing it. Um, it's a disruptive technology. And they shouldn't choose it just because it's, it's neat or cool, but there should be some kind of clear business problem they're trying to solve and something that can be solved through machine learning.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's really important is that the question is is actually far more important than the answer in this case.
2: Right. Yep. Yeah. It really becomes important that you realistically chase that business target, right? So you You want to make sure that what you're doing is achieving your goals and you want to continually go back and validate that what you're doing is actually enabling you to deliver it. And once again, I'd say it's iterate, 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 like we can preach with AWS all the time.
1: And it's very very true and more so in ML than, than really anything else. So Suresha, let's say the, the organization has decided that, that ML is the right fit. Um, what's a, a challenge that you see as being quite unique to machine learning with respect to those well-architected pillars themselves?
0: There are um, unique challenges and best practices to address these challenges all through the various pillars, which is the basic reason we put together this ML lens white paper, right? Uh, But To be very specific uh, in this conversation, let's take uh, an example of the operational excellence pillar. As we know from the well-architected review uh, paper, we know that uh, the operational pillar basically captures the ability to uh, run production systems and also monitor these systems so that customers can be sure that they're deriving the business values that they started out with. Now, one of the critical things that customers have to do is prepare their teams to both operate and support a machine learning workload if they intend to use machine learning workloads for their business goals. Machine learning workloads is is a little different from a support perspective because the teams that are required to integrate with and deploy these models may be unfamiliar with the operational aspects that are specific to ML. So, some of the best practices the lens recommends here is, um, make sure of cross-collaboration between the teams and train all the resources that are involved in supporting these systems at a very base level uh, proficiency in machine learning. Now, this is not an effort to make a release engineer or a DevOps engineer into a data scientist, nor it is the vice versa, right? But it is the uh, effort to um, make sure that the entire team comes together at these base proficiency levels so that ML workloads are operated uh, in production well. Now, so as the Lens paper discusses, some of the key practices here uh, include preparing these teams to integrate and operate these ML workloads using practices like um, enabling high-level cross-training between the teams that not only develop the models and the APIs, but also for the teams that will have to support and um, monitor these APIs in the production. So establishing these cross-functional teams makes sure that uh, the models and the APIs can be effectively integrated into a production solution, which should be the goal for the uh, for, for the ML workload here. Now, if you Consider uh, a different pillar. Let's take, for example, security. Um, So security is unique uh, in that there are regulatory requirements that all of these machine learning workloads need to meet, right? So these could be uh, anything from HIPAA to GDPR, or it could be anything like financial risk management concerns that are covered by Federal Reserve's senior 11 7 guidelines. And now, unlike the traditional models where a production artifact typically remains static, except when new releases are made. The models that are using the machine learning algorithms can evolve over time. So, continued vigilance is necessary to make sure that the organizations are meeting the compliance requirements as necessary for their particular industry. And another thing that is unique about machine learning workloads is typically the production data that is used by uh, the data scientist for model development is need to be available in the lower environments, uh, such as dev environments, sandbox environments, QA environments, performance environments, things like those, right? So this comes with the requirements for data protection. And uh, when we talk about data production, it's not limited to the typical encryption or access control, but also the need to be able to track the data lineage with respect to all the transformations that the data is undergoing through before it makes up that final model. Uh, On top of that, uh, the need to track the model lineage also becomes important. So the guidance that is provided in the lens paper basically allows you to catch all of these architectural issues um, really very very early on. Not just some of the overlooked aspects that are specific to the machine learning workloads, but the fundamental issues like the operationalizing and security and cost optimization and so on and so forth.
1: So, so there's clearly a lot going on there with this lens and with this domain. When mm-hmm. when would a customer be best served doing this type of review for their ML workload?
0: Well, this particular one, uh, it's not really different from reviewing any other workloads uh, when it comes to making sure that you're following all the best practices and the guidances. You have uh, customers typically do a review at the very early on when they're beginning the project itself. They also do a midway touch point to review and definitely uh, just before or right after the workload is in the production. And if you're a type of an organization that is making constant changes to your workload, um, the customer should also consider reviewing it regularly, at least uh, annually. And with each review of the workloads, the customer's organization gets to decide what the acceptable risk for their particular organization is, their own thresholds um, in going and operating in a production environment, or even prioritizing their backlogs for improvements. But keeping in mind that once the workload is in production, review regularly so that uh, you can use the milestones to make incremental improvements and continue to take advantage of the evolutionary nature of the ML services and the capabilities that AWS offers, and also take advantage of the continuous updates of the lens paper itself. As with Every other well-architected uh, artifact, we will continue to update the Lens white paper with small improvements based on customer feedback, as well as the feedback from our field team that is including all our essays and professional services that are helping our customers with uh, these reviews.
1: And Rodney, what, what's the customer experience for, for the well-architected tool process now? Like what, what has it feel like and how do they do the reviews?
2: So, you know, we released the well-architected tool into the AWS console about, it's almost two years ago. It'll be two years at at reInvent this year. Um, And it really helps guide you through the review. Uh, There's various different ways you can actually do it. So right now, the only thing that we have in the tool is the base framework and the serverless lens it is definitely on our roadmap to get the additional lenses in. And you can talk with your account team to find out what the roadmap is if you have a non-disclosure agreement with us. Um, but really in the short term, the way you can review it is you could either just start doing it yourself or you know if it's a particularly critical workload, we always recommend that you contact your AWS account SA And there's, if you don't know who that is, there's a contact us link on both the console and in the documentation where you can ask for who that is, and they should reach out and get a hold of you. But we also have a kind of a unique feature with Well-Architected, which is we released the tool along with a Well-Architected partner competency. So we had 79 partners, I believe, was what we launched with, and we've now got well over 200, if not over 300. I actually don't know the number off the top of my head. And they're worldwide. So there's an added benefit if you engage a partner. So typically, uh, a partner will actually help you with a well-architected review and uh, offer you a statement of work for implementing improvements. If you implement one of those improvements, then we have an incentive to you to actually use that partner and you'll get AWS service credits once you've shown that that has actually been implemented.
1: And so, so if I want to use the, the Well-Architected tool as an example or, um, or grab those white papers, how much does that cost me?
2: So it's all free. And it doesn't cost anything. So the, the white papers have always been available for download. And I think the tool, one of the neat things about it is it basically has almost all the content from the white papers in the tool. And that that it doesn't, it actually links off to, and we do have that on a a static website, so you can read it all. And of course, you can always download the white papers in both PDF and Kindle.
1: Exactly. It's all all available. Rodney, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing that information with us. Thanks for having me. And Suresha, thank you for coming on and uh, telling us all about this very exciting new lens.
0: Thanks, Simon. Always a pleasure to be here.
1: And we do love to get
2: your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do that, and until next time, keep on building.